What is up, Cubs fans? And welcome to True Blue Cubs. I am your host, Joe Kilgallen. Welcome to the podcast. For those of you listening for the very first time, this is a, a Cubs-based podcast. That's right, for all you Cubs fans out there. And I am a diehard Chicago Cubs fan. I'm also a stand-up comedian. If you are in the Peoria area tonight and tomorrow, August 13th and 14th, or no, wait, 12th and 13th, I will be at the Jukebox Comedy Club across the street from an old dirt car racetrack, I believe, and next door to a strip club. So a real hub of entertainment over there in Peoria. Be there tonight and tomorrow. Again, that is jukeboxcomedyclub.com. But I like to get on here, talk for about 15 to 20 minutes about what's going on with our beloved Cubs. Talk a little Cubs history, talk a little Cubs future, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, and just enjoy ourselves. And I feel like a lot of Cubs fans really enjoyed themselves last night. Now, last night, of course, was the second annual, although it's weird because they're not going to do one next year. I'll get to that in a second. But I'm going to talk about the Field of Dreams game. Started last year, 2021 season between the Yankees and White Sox. A game that had a lot of bombs, a lot of home runs. I believe six total. Tim Anderson walked it off. Not a White Sox fan, but I'll say that was a cool moment. The fireworks, you know, in the the cornfield. I don't know. It was something cool about it. It was a really... Uh, Felt like a throwback, you know, uh, there's something about, see, baseball movies to me have always been the best of all the sports movies, baseball or boxing, you know, cause the Rocky movies are great. Cinderella man was cool. You know, are there any fighting movies? Cause you're like overcoming something football, great sport. What are the best football movies? I mean, the programs are right. Rudy's cool. Now oh, there's a few, now that I'm thinking about it. Basketball doesn't have a whole ton, you know, what like. Wasn't there one like with the Celtics or something like that? Uh, Luck of the Celtics. I don't know. There's, there's not a lot of good ones. I guess uh, Above the Rim was all right. Um, Hoop Dreams. Was that a movie or a documentary? Can't even remember. But baseball, of course, has Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, Major League. What else do we got? Sandlot, A League of Their Own, 42, 61. A lot of good numbered movies there. Moneyball. A lot of great baseball movies. So to incorporate Field of Dreams, which is such an epic field. It's just this field in the middle of nowhere. I always like fields that are stadiums that are in the middle of a city. Like what makes Wrigley special to me is it's not surrounded by miles and miles of parking lot. I like that. Uh, Petco has that in San Diego. Is it still called Petco or do they change it to some other corporate name? Bunch of shills. Uh, side note, I got into it with a friend not that long ago. He was like, Oh, well, you're giving you know corporate names a hard time because it's like Miller Park is now American Family Insurance Park or something like that up in Milwaukee, and the White Sox have been changing their t- their stadium name from like the Cell to uh, Guaranteed Rate and all this kind of stuff. It was U.S. Cellular Field before, and they're like, "Hey, buddy, Wrigley, Wrigley Gum, Wrigley's Corporation." Also, Wrigley was the family that once owned the team, though, so not even close to being the same, right? Wrigley is an actual family last name. They happen to own delicious gum and a great stadium that they put a mediocre product on the field for a long time. That was their legacy. There's no guy named, this isn't like, oh, this is John and Joan U.S. Cellular. Like, that's not a last name. That's clearly a corporation. You know, let's go over to Billy American Insurance Fields House. Like, right, that's not a thing. So to compare the two is asinine. And I don't get to use the word asinine often, but when I use it, I use it for effect damn it right so i want to talk about the the feelings we all had the joy we had with the field of dreams game 
And I want to talk about uh, Nikki Two Strikes. Nick Madrigal, who led off the game yesterday, had a stellar day at the plate going three for five. I want to talk about him because I feel like he is kind of in an odd situation. We'll get to all that in a little bit. The Field of Dreams game, though. Um, again, a feel-good thing. That's a movie that, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? You got, you got to give it a check, right? Kevin Costner, great actor. Uh, his wife, who was also an Uncle Buck, great actress. Forget her name. James Earl Jones. I almost feel like every 75% of all baseball movies have James Earl Jones or Kevin Costner in them. That's it's part of the U S constitution, I believe. And it's just, uh, it's kind of like the whole thing is if you build it, he will come. And he had this relationship with his father that was left. Uh, like there was a lot of unfulfillment there. And they didn't get along very well. And he was always upset about it. And he just felt like, ah, there's, you know, he was my dad. I love my dad, but we just didn't see eye to eye and stuff. And, uh, you know, then he gets this opportunity to build this thing. He builds a baseball stadium that's costing him a lot of money because his farm wasn't doing that well in the first place. And he's got this brother-in-law who just does horrible uh, damage to redheads everywhere. This Timothy Busfield character, right? He's been in some, uh, he was also in a baseball movie. He's in Little Big League. Redheaded guy, always like kind of grouchy. You know, he's always like, what are you doing? You know, that's kind of tone of voice. And uh, and he's just, you know, being a putz, this guy, because he won't listen to anybody. He doesn't see the ghost baseball players. He doesn't. He's just a bad dude. Almost kills his niece. She's choking on a hot dog. He doesn't know what to do. He's like, I'm just here to steal your house. I'm your brother-in-law. I'm looking out for you. He's not looking out. He's looking out for himself. Okay. That, let's, let's be clear about that. And really, as someone with reddish hair, he set us back. I don't know if people know this, but the redheads... We were making a movement in the late 80s where people were starting to respect us a little bit more. Ronald McDonald was blowing up across the nation. Uh, I think Punky Brewster was kind of a ginger. There were some things happening in the late 80s where people were like, you know what? So what if their hair's red? It's just another color. We don't need to be mean to them. And then this guy comes along, set us back. Horrible guy. Anyhow, um, but then there's this magical moment. And it's a real father-son bonding movie in a lot of ways. And so. Uh, to recapture, it was kind of a cool thing. All the players come out of the cornfield together. They always have to do the throwback uniforms because baseball has a history unlike any other sport. You know, it's the pastime. I was, I didn't love the Cubs uniforms, by the way. I liked the hat. I liked that old school bear with the bat on his shoulder. I didn't like all the red in the uniforms because they took a picture of the numbers from behind. And I'm like, this looks like Red Sox. You guys could have done the navy blue number to match the hat. It just... People are like, well, that's how it was. I'm like, well, it was stupid. It wasn't good. Everyone was fawning over these uniforms. I know this might be a bad take. Some of you are going to be like, are you kidding? Those were great. Eh, could have been better. Could have been better. The game itself was pretty good. Cubs got off to a nice start. Three runs right there on some nice hitting. No home runs from the Cubs, uh, which is a bummer. I wanted to see one land out in the corn there. And uh, there was a lot to like. It was a good broadcast, except for this. The Harry Carey hologram. What were you thinking, Fox? What is going... Harry Carey, to me, is such a legendary icon, part of my youth, uh, part of Chicago, was announced for the Sox and the Cubs. For whatever reason, since his death, people have been trying to capitalize on it and make every dime they can, and it's baffling to me. There was a commercial in the early to mid-2000s, I think, with a great comedian, actually, who does a fantastic Harry Carey impression, John Campanera. Not knocking John, right? I'm a comedian too. I would have done it for the check. But it was one of those things where it was Harry Carey and he's like on the L 
and he's doing his Harry Carey impression. And he's interviewing people about like saving money on their phone bill. And everyone's kind of like, what the hell is this? The kid, let the guy rest in peace. I don't, I can't think of too many other celebrities besides like Elvis, of course, where people are like, let's get impersonators and let's keep this cash cow going in such a weird and awkward way. Now I'm okay with Marquee, uh, not Marquee, uh, the Cubs in general doing take me out to the ball game where it's a video of harry carey that's cool now they want to do this hologram technology i have yet to hear anyone say dude this hologram technology pretty sweet not weird at all doesn't make you think that uh, we're all going to be replaced one day by robots no it's no it's always weird looking they're just it's never the person it looked like harry carey if he had never had one budweiser in his life that's what it looked like he looked very slim the suit he was wearing didn't have a single damn wrinkle which is bullshit because Harry Carey's suit. He always wore a suit jacket that looked like someone had fun on Rush Street last night. That's the Harry Carey I know and love. I don't want to see this weird uh, mechanical. Looks like it could, if Harry Carey was a Chuck E. Cheese the animatronic guy, that's what it would have been. And frightening. I'm glad my sons didn't see it. They're very little. If they would have saw that. And then we're walking by Wrigley and they see his statue. They might put two and two together. And now I've got two kids sleeping in my bed for a week because they have nightmares. So no, thank you, Fox. All right, moving on. Um, some other magical moments of it. So yeah, they're not going to do the game next year. There's going to be construction. They're going to make the stadium bigger. Of course, they need to more, sell more tickets. The state of Iowa gets screwed over on all these blackout restrictions anyway. That they should do something where the citizens of Iowa get first crack on tickets. That's how it should go. Um, I mean, it's not the Super Bowl where everyone's coming from everywhere, but I think that there should be like a roll call of a way to do it. And they're astronomical, these prices. I, I enjoyed the game enough, but let me say this. I did get a little annoyed because it felt like the Cubs were doing a lot of PR where it's like, we're, we deserve better. Our fans deserve better. We're going to start spending big next year. Trust us. It's like you said that last year. You did. So prove it. Just prove it. Enough talk. Just I, I, I don't like the spin because it gets everyone all pumped up. And then if you don't do it, you look like assholes. But then we fall back into the trap. I don't like that. It feels like we're marks now. I don't know about you fellow Cubs fans, but since we won the World Series, I feel like I no longer, before we won, let me backtrack a little. Before we had won, I always thought to myself, well, I can't turn my back on the Cubs because I don't want, what if they do win? And then people are going to be like, ah, you left. You remember you were like, ah, screw them. And now you come crawling back. Now it's like... I've seen them win the world series. I want to see them win the world series every year. Cause it's the best thing in the world, right? It's your team and winning's fun. And Fung is winning as he can quote. And, but I don't want to just blindly, it does upset me that I'm still seeing 35,000 people at these games. Yeah. Attendance is down like 20% from a few years ago. It should be down further though. And again, Wrigley is this magical ballpark, but it, Sometimes I think to myself, yeah, maybe they really need, you need to scare these owners. You got to scare these people into getting it right. And I know there's a lot of pro rebuild people out there like, no, don't, don't sign anyone until it's absolutely necessary. I think you're just thinking of it differently. I, I like all those people now. They, they always are quick to attack Theo Epstein when all the words they use are just regurgitating Theo Epstein talking points from 2012. Don't pay for past performance. Free agency is something you do to supplement an already homegrown roster. Like all these things. I, I laugh when I get into debates with these people online because I'm like, you're just none of these thoughts are original to you. And nobody was a bigger supporter of the rebuild 
the 2012 to 2014 rebuild, I was 100% on board. I supported the hell out of it. This was a different scenario coming around. We already had young guys coming through that were already in our system, and that's true. Look at the guys who are making the most impact right now. Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, Christopher Morrell, Nico Horner, who looks like an all-star. Those four guys have all already been in the system. Other guys coming through making some impact. Nelson Velasquez, um, you know, PJ Higgins, a lot of the bullpen guys. And there's other people knocking on the door. Brennan Davis would have made his major league debut this year if he unfortunately didn't get injured. Another guy taken in 2018. So it's one of those things where I, I understood trading the, the core and trying to go, hey, we got to reset from this. This doesn't work anymore. Totally understood that. I just thought they would have taken the savings from that and then made some moves sooner to be competitive sooner. Now, if everyone still has like sticker shock, or whatever the term might be, from Jason Hayward's contract, oh, we don't want to get stuck in another deal like that, then you're not a major market team. Major market teams are supposed to be able to absorb that. There's a reason we pay the highest ticket prices in baseball. The Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, they always have one bad contract that they just eat. Okay, the Dodgers are doing it right now with David Price basically and Trevor Bowers, 38 million, wherever he's getting per season. The Yankees, Ellsbury did nothing for them. They swallowed that going, no biggie. Like that's just part of doing business. If you want to, you know, if you want to eat with the big dogs, you got to take some risks. And I hope the Cubs get back to taking risks. Now let's talk about Nikki Two Strikes, Nick Madrigal, who came over last trade deadline uh, along with Cody Hoyer in the Craig Kimbrell trade to the White Sox. By the way, I don't like making deals with the White Sox because it just it feels like no good could come of them. We've lost every one of them since Sammy Sosa, if you ask me. But hopefully Nicky could rebound. He went three for five. He has been tearing it up since he came back up. The interesting thing about Nick is he's a high-contact guy. Throughout his career, his short career too, right? He's 2020 season. He came up as a rookie, 2021, only had 215 at-bats before getting injured. This year, he only has 139 at-bats total. Numbers are starting to creep back up. He is now a positive war, which is nice to see. Uh, the weighted runs created plus still very low. But when you look at him, and I understand acquiring him, the Cubs were a team that struck out way too much. They were trying to get a bunch of bats that struck out less. Right? You still need the thumpers, though. You need the balance. Again, when the Cubs were at their best, they had balance. Even in 2021, when they were in first place for six weeks, it's when they had Nico Horner and Matt Duffy getting every day at bats to kind of diversify the lineup. If every hitter is the same profile, essentially, it makes attacking them from a pitcher standpoint very easy. My thoughts on Nick Madrigal are this. He has to hit 300 to have any value. If he bats 300 and the on-base percentage is around 340, great. Still, though, I still don't like him as being on part of the next great Cubs team. Because I don't see his defensive value at second base to be enough for that average and that on-base percentage, and you're going to get no power. I'm not saying singles hitters don't have a place in the game. Nico Horner, I thought, was just going to be a primary singles hitter, but he's actually shown some pop, and he'll run into some doubles too and play stellar defense. Now, if Nick Madrigal had Nico's glove while only hitting singles, you could stomach it because it's like, all right, second baseman, but he's a great glove man, hits 300. Yeah, you'd be totally fine with that. But the fact that he's mm, kind of below average defensively, not a strong base runner at all, and just get, hits you singles, it's like, all right, fine, bat him ninth. Bat him ninth. That's really where I see him. I think he's an eight, he's a nine hitter on a, on a, on a playoff contender. Some people think first or second. Mm. 
I don't even like him betting first or second because he hits too many ground balls. I don't like him betting first because he doesn't walk enough. And he's at his best when he can just throw the barrel at the ball. And he's not the best base runner. I like base runners to go first to third at a leadoff. You don't have to steal bases anymore. This isn't 1987. But, by the way, you ever bored? Look at the stolen base statistics from the 80s. Insane. Like, laughable. You've got guys like, like Eric Davis, 27 home runs, 80 stolen bases. You're like, what the hell were they doing back then? A lot of cocaine and just getting the green light when they're on the base pass. Fun era. So anyway, uh, that's what I see out of Nick Madrigal. I mean, I don't mean to be negative. I, I Again, depending on who else we have in the middle of our order, you could, you could deal with Madrigal being a singles hitter at second base. Maybe the glove gets a little bit better. I don't want to judge his bat. I think we were all way too quick in the beginning of the season to judge his bat off of, you know, a slow start. And I think they were trying to get some launch angle out of him because it, it just there's no power there. He had two home runs for the White Sox last year, I believe. But even as, in the minors, there was nothing. There's a lot of zeros if you go on his baseball reference or his fan graphs. Yeah, power score is very, very low. But he was still, I mean, everyone liked him as, uh, they thought his defense would be better, but I just am not seeing it so far. His defense has been okay. I'm sorry. I spoke too soon earlier about his defense. It's been little above average. But to me, you got to be – because the way I see it right now, I still want – go get one of the big shortstops. And I know Nico Horner's been top three defensive shortstops in baseball, maybe top two. I think Swanson still slightly edges him. But if you get – a one of the big shortstops who wants to play third or can move over to second. That's what's nice about shortstops is they're so athletic that you can move them to other positions. Correa looks like a third baseman to me. He's one of the biggest shortstops I've ever seen. Was he six, four and jacked? That's a big boy. Kind of like reminds me of when A-Rod was playing shortstop. So there's, there's maneuverability there. Ideally though, imagine if you get Correa, who is still a great glove man, he'll probably want to play shortstop though. That's like, that's my position. That's finding a big contract to get moved over. And you have Nico Horner. That is just Morella third until one of the other shortstops comes knocking, and then you move Correa over to third. There's just there's a lot of maneuverability there, and I hope that that's what they do. I want one of the big three, or really one of the big three shortstops. I know Swanson's having an amazing year, and he is a really solid player. I just don't consider him. I've had to say big four fine. I won't be angry if we get him, but I definitely have my sights set on Bogarts, Turner or Correa. Uh, Turner and Bogarts are both switch hitters, which is nice. They're closer to 30 years old, which I think Bogarts is already 30, which means they're less likely to want a 10-year deal. They're still going to want seven or eight, most likely. But it feels like since Correa is going to be 28, he's going to want at least 10 years, and someone will give it to him. Um, but who knows? Maybe we'll be a little gun shy about the 10-year deal. I hope not, though. I hope we go for it. And I hope you guys all have a great weekend. This has been True Blue Cubs. I'm your host, comedian Joe Kilgallen, and as always, go Cubs.